Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. My name is Anna. And I'm Sam. And we are overviewing one of my very favorite Clone Wars episodes, Season 1, Episode 15, Trespass. Trespass. What happens in this episode, Sam? So we start out in the orbit around Orto Plutonia. Mm-hmm. And we've got a cast of characters that includes Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin, Senator Chuchi, and Chairman Cho of the Pandorans. And Rex. And Rex. And, you know, a bunch of clones. They're investigating that an outpost on this remote moon of Orta Plutonia has gone silent. Mm-hmm. And it's an ice planet, and so it's very dramatic. Yeah, and the Pantorans, they are blue, which means, obviously, that they don't care about the cold. So they're just wearing, like, their normal clothes. Like, cool ponchos and fun boots. hmm So they show up. And they find the outpost, and all of the clones are still there, but they've like their helmets are on like spears and stuff. Mm. And then they see another location, and it is a separatist base. So they head over there, and they find a whole bunch of separatists that have been taken apart. With their heads also on spears. Yes. So it's equal treatment all around. Now, Chairman Cho is colonizing this moon and so he's like yes the republic is here this is definitely a separatist incursion if you see anything shoot it i'm taking command of the situation senator chuchi so the pentorns speak with a australian accent kind of yeah chuchi's vowels are sort of funky Mm -hmm. and cho definitely has got a very interesting Look to him. He reminds me nothing so much as the antagonist from Ip Man 2. Oh, interesting. Yeah. He's got a really reedy, obnoxious voice. And then he's Mm -hmm. also almost seven feet tall. He is very tall. And And very fighty. mm -hmm. And Senator Chuchi, in the Star Wars tradition of, you know, senators, is uh, adorable. 16 years old. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like chubby cheeks and big eyes and cool Padme buns and just doing my dream job. I just, I want to be her. Yeah. And so the senator decides that this is and definitely a matter that the Republic needs to defend Pentora's interest. On the other hand, Obi-Wan quickly figures out this is not a separatist attack. Mm-hmm. And so Obi-Wan and Anakin see something shiny off in the distance and scooch on over on their speeder bikes in the cold to go check it out, where they meet the locals who are called the Tals, who are titties. Tals. Vowels. The <laughs> they are eight foot tall sloth aliens with just way too many eyes for comfort. <laughs> and they have uh they just use spears and they ride like ice wolves. So. Is that what they are? Sure. Scary purple and black spiky ice wolf monster creatures? Yeah, they're schmonsters. Yeah, schmonsters. Yeah. So uh Anakin, of course, is kill mode, but Obi-Wan's like Chill, bro. Let's talk to them. So they eventually talk to them. They meet Tai Sen, who mm-hmm. is the leader of their people. Mm-hmm. They go into basically a sweat lodge. We found out Anakin is very good at drawing because they can't communicate without C-3PO. He definitely is. Like He's he just... really good. They're shading. He draws this like really cute picture of them holding hands. Yeah, like instantly <laughs> in one second, too. It was oddly charming. Also charming is that when they finish negotiations... Tyson gives Obi-Wan the biggest bear hug. And I'm like, yes, Tyson, this is what we all want. Give the people what they want. So 
they come back and say it's time to negotiate a peace conference mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. And Senator, or Chairman Cho is having none of this, is being extremely speciesist. Savages is what he calls them. Yes. And that he's just really asserting that colonialist authority of saying, you know. He literally says, no one lives here. They're trespassers. Mm-hmm. Whoever they are, they belong to us. And Obi-Wan's like, Dude, they did not get here under their own power. They don't use space travel, and so they have been here for a long time. And they're like ice creatures, and this is an ice planet. And they're pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely warlike, but... I like them. So they get on speeder bikes, but there's not terribly many of them uh, because there's a storm coming up. And so just uh, Rex and a few others and Obi-Wan and Anakin and the chairman and the senator head towards a neutral space meeting space most everybody thinks that they're heading to a negotiation but chairman cho firmly believes that they're about to go to war and preemptively strike against the talls Mm -hmm. and he's like yes rex put your men up on that ridge and obi-wan and i can like dude they're already here the talls burst out of the snow Mm -hmm. they have been hiding there all along i cackled and so this whole time, Chuchi is trying to be like, hey, so they're obviously another species, which means that like the normal rules of Republic order and like there's rules for this and you are not following them. Mm-hmm. So the chairman uh, co-ops C-3PO because C-3PO is here and he's being useful in his capacity as a Yay! translator bot. We love to see it. Yeah. He just ignites an entire fire and is like, I declare war on on the towels. Yeah, tals. what the towels say is, we want to be good neighbors, but you have to get out of town. Yeah. And Chuchi literally stands between Cho and Tai Sen and says, we can't do this. Mm-hmm. He shoves her out of the way. C-3PO translates for Tai Sen and says, the great Tai Sen, son of sons, asks again that you leave or it will mean war. And Cho says, then it's war. So war were declared. <laughs> Senator Chuchi asks for their help, asks for the Jedi's help. And the and Obi-Wan is like, you have declared this an internal matter. I can't help you. But there is a loophole. You can get in touch with your people and have them declare the chairman out of order. And you can assume control of this situation. Right. And there's this really tiny moment when she phones home. Mm-hmm. The Speaker of the Assembly basically says, you have the authority. You can override Chairman Cho. And she just sighs because mm-hmm. she just knows this is going to be so awful. Really yeah. tough day at the office well, they've had for Chuchi. They've had a very adversarial relationship the oh, whole time. Oh, yes. So meanwhile, the chairman is out there fighting... Uh, Everyone's dying. Yeah. Death on all sides. A bunch of clones get spears thrown through them. They're running around on speeder bikes. The Tals are running around on their monsters. (laughs) And they retreat. And you're left with Rex with Chairman Cho, like, slung over, wounded and slung over his speeder bike. Eleven dead clones. Everyone Mm -hmm. wounded. Cho is on the brink of death. And then finally, at that moment... The Jedi and Chuchi show up in gunships because now the storm is cleared. They mm-hmm. land in between the fighting people. No one really knows what's going to go on. And Chuchi says, hey, Obi-Wan, you want to go negotiate? And Obi-Wan's like, this is your time to shine. Oh, oh, it's a tough honey, moment. It's a tough moment. It's so tough. So she goes out there. After Cho dies and says, I died for my people. Yeah. I died for our people. I, I, you know, it's peace never. 
is yeah. what his last words were, basically. Destroy the talls. Yeah. Do and, it in my memory. And so she goes up, picks up a spear, flings it in the snow, and I believe you have the line written down. To die for one's people is a great sacrifice. To live for one's people is an even greater one. I choose to live for my people. What do you choose? And the chief takes his spear, and in a moment of fear, because he's... Ambiguity. Yeah, he's eight feet tall, and she's four feet tall. And he could just strike her down right there. Because she's all alone. She is. She has walked into the middle ground. Oh. And he stabs his spear into the ground. C-3PO is like... He chooses to live. Yes. It is peace. It is sovereignty for everybody. So peace were declared. And that is the episode. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a question for you, Anna. A question for me? So this whole thing was your idea, this podcast. And I believe that this was the episode. So listeners... As you know, when we started dating, Anna had never seen any Star Wars whatsoever. So we watched all the movies in order, and then we started watching Clone Wars. We did start with Mando, to be fair. Yes. To test the waters. Because mm-hmm. if Mando wasn't going to win me over, then nothing was. So let that be a lesson to you. If, if you want to get someone involved in Star Wars, Mando start, is a great spot to start. Start with Baby Yoda, mm-hmm. by all means. <laughs> so if I recall correctly, this is the episode that, first of all, made you love the Clone Wars. Maybe this is the first episode that made me believe that the Clone Wars wasn't a totally lost cause. I didn't like the Clone Wars and I just thought of it as this time suck Mm. that I did to hang out with you, which I know that's not a cool thing to say, but I really I just I didn't I wasn't paying attention or following along or figuring out who the characters were. But this episode has so much resonance for my personal life. That this was the first episode where I was like, wow, the Clone Wars is really saying something. Mm-hmm. And I remember what I said to you, Sam. I love how intricate the politics are in this episode. Yeah. The political maneuvering oh, my is pretty immaculate golly. in this episode because, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin are there basically as observers. And they're mm-hmm. like, hey, something's wrong. We'll check it out. And they're both more than capable of handling anything that gets flung their way. You know what they end up doing in this episode is basically being UN peacekeepers. They're boots mm-hmm. on the ground. They are nonviolent. They are there to facilitate conversation. I don't believe they even draw their lightsabers. No. The only time that Anakin even gets close, Obi-Wan says, Anakin, we're just here to talk. Mm-hmm. So you're right. There's no lightsabers in this episode. Mm-hmm. And so this episode was really empowering and compelling for you. And I want to hear your take on it. Oh, my God. Okay. Let me just say, I'm such a sucker for good sovereignty plot. (laughs) Like, that was my favorite part of the Gungan storyline, too, was the Gungan people getting to have sovereignty and have representation in the Senate. In Phantom Menace. In Phantom Menace. Yeah. And I just love that we have a complicated discussion about what it means to be an original inhabitant Mm -hmm. and what it means to be a colonizer or a trespasser Mm -hmm. with a young person's show. Yeah. It's a really progressive issue in some lights. It definitely is. And 
it showcases a major difference. When I was growing up, um, Star Wars Next Generation was in syndication, and so mm. we'd watch that whenever it was on. Now, in Star Trek, there's the prime directive, which is don't mess with people who don't have, who haven't developed faster than light travel. Hmm. Now, yeah. in, in the Star Wars universe, in sort of legends, non-canon stuff, there are these hyperspace wars, which took place like 20,000 years before any of the mm. movies or anything. And that's when hyperspace was basically introduced to the whole galaxy. And so there's people spread out throughout the whole thing. And there's no principle of sovereignty. And the idea of trespassing on someone's land is, you know, strange. Hmm. Because... It's just open borders everywhere? Pretty much. And wow. so circling back to the last episode with the Lerman, they had just colonized a planet because yes. they had found a planet. Yes. But there's very little, you know, homeworld issues because I'm sure that there are species, there's people out there and they're like, you know, you ask them, hey, what's the homeworld of your species? If you if you meet a, if you meet Shmi Skywalker and he's like, what's the homeworld of your species? And hmm. she's like, oh, hell if I know, you know? Yeah. Who knows? So- I really see where you're coming from, and it's a, an interesting argument to make with regards to sovereignty. There's so many cool diplomatic things that I want to talk about. But on this point, we discover in this episode that there's some kind of convention of civilized systems, mm -hmm. which that whole word is so fraught. But when Cho brought this up, it made me think that's how the Luhrmann in the last arc that we covered, the Anakin injured arc, this is how the Luhrmann were probably able to colonize their planet in the Quell system, mm -hmm. because under the Convention of Civilized Systems, there probably wasn't a species on that planet that was classified as, quote unquote, civilized, which I'm assuming means you're capable of language, negotiation. Yeah. There's a reason. Oh, my gosh. Well, so, Sam, you know that I studied international relations mm -hmm. in my undergrad degree. So there's a reason that... The word civilized is so interesting to me in this context. And I civilized will. Civilized to whom? Exactly. So, international development scholars don't use first world country or third world country anymore. Oh, yeah, because that's Cold War terminology. It is. But even the terms developed and developing nations are not in use anymore because it implies that development is this straight line leading up to a pinnacle that gets you closer to Western societies. And the truth is that there's a lot of different ways to develop that don't follow that, you know, yeah. straight line up to whatever. Well, I mean, that's that's true of basically any judgment that people make about anything. You, you sit there and you say, OK, by what metric? Exactly. And so if your metric is pure GDP, then you can say, ah, yes, this is there. There's a bunch of countries that do this and a bunch of countries that do, that do that. Some of them have a fast growth GDP and some of them already have a high GDP. But, you know, some countries don't measure their success by GDP. Right. So under the standards of being, quote unquote, civilized, Chairman Cho believes that the Talls are not civilized because mm -hmm. they're not speaking a language that he understands. They're not apparently capable of space travel. They carry spears. Mm -hmm. The only way that the Jedi have to communicate them before C-3PO is through pictographs. There's the whole other issue of Cho being a greedy colonizer. Yeah. And so that's something I wanted to make a note of. Um, for the listeners out there, when you start your own space empire or, you know, just regular at home colonialism, the way that the British Empire did it successfully 
is you go someplace and you exploit existing tribal divisions. You pick the current minority population, whether it's a religious minority or an ethnic minority, and you give them better guns. And then that minority takes power, but they're beholden to you for those better guns. That is basically, in a nutshell, how you colonize a place. Just going and saying, we declare war on you is kind of uh, passe, <laughs> especially because uh, a chairman, he died like a doofus, you know? There was so little dignity in that character. So little dignity. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's an unfortunately heavy-handed way of portraying colonialists as bumblingly aggressive, let's call it. As opposed to the way that colonialism actually is, which is an insidious values replacement program. Yes. I am sure you're not going to get many arguments that colonizing is a positive. The only thing that I'll say about that, Sam, do you remember in the last episode mm -hmm. in Anakin Injured when we were talking about how I love that that episode art gives us so many shades of gray to consider pacifism? Yes. I do think it's a net positive that this episode, Traspass, is so heavy-handed about colonizing is bad. I just don't think that's a message we can hammer into young people's heads <laughs> enough. So yeah, maybe it was heavy-handed and maybe colonization is nefarious and subtle. But at least we're laying the groundwork. If there are inhabitants in a place, it is their place. It is not your place. Yeah, that's sort of the difference between a, a frontier and a place of habitation because there are places which are still currently frontiers on our planet where there's there's no one living there sure yet sure and there could be but it's, it's a pain you know <laughs> antarctica will not be getting us anytime soon uh kim stanley robinson and charles strauss who are two of my favorite authors have talked about that how like before we colonize mars we should like have antarctica and the tilishmakan desert like far more colonized because mm. they're significantly easier to live in than Mars. Oh, that is fascinating. Well, you know, in both of those places, uh, you can go outside and you can breathe, you know, although your lungs might freeze in a second, but your lungs will explode on Mars. So. Oh, Lordy. Yeah, it's a... Uh, you got 30 seconds in deep Antarctica to figure out what you're doing. Yeah, and you might have that much time on Mars, but you'll, you'll asphyxiate. So. Interesting. Yeah. And so that just goes to show, I mean, what reason do the Pentorans have for colonizing this area? As well as, I find interesting that the Republic contains within it member states which do perform colonization. Yes. Do you want to talk about Senator Chuchi and Chairman Cho's dynamic? Yeah. Slash, do you want to talk about Chuchi? Or is it just me? Um, I imagine that you have positive things to say about Chuchi, and I have <laughs> negative things to say about Cho, and we're going to meet in the middle. Okay, cool. I like that very much. Okay. So... I think the easiest place to start is this fascinating interaction that we have in the first five minutes of the episode between Chuchi and the and Chairman Cho. Mm -hmm. We get to see such an intricate exploration of them in such a brief moment. Chuchi is saying we should consider what the Jedi said, that this is probably not a separatist attack. Mm -hmm. Cho is totally set in his ways. Of course, he's going to do everything that he can to, you know, 
get vengeance on the separatists and get vengeance for these clones and have this planet a sovereign Pantoran territory. Mm -hmm. What he says to Chuchi, he faces her down. He's a lot taller than her. She's a lot shorter. Uh, He has to stoop over. Yes. So he's really getting up in her face and, and intimidating her as best as he can. And he says, Senator, I'm willing to fight and die for my people. It's time to ask yourself if you are brave enough to do the same. Mm-hmm. And what she does in that moment is she looks down. Mm-hmm. And that is such an instinctive and relatable and familiar gesture to me. When someone gets up in your face, you look down and you look less threatening. Yeah, I mean, it's a mammalian instinct. Absolutely. She's facing up to this hostile force and she's trying to show herself as non-threatening. But the thing is that Chuchi does show herself as brave enough to fight and die for her people when Mm. Tai Sen could have stricken her down with his spear. But she fights and achieves victory in this scenario without ever shedding blood. Mm-hmm. Long is the war, right? You have to survive to win the war or to end the war. Yes. And so even though Chuchi is this incredibly feminine, young, resilient, you know, resilient but small and fearful seeming person, she shows herself to be so brave and she accomplishes what Cho fails to do. Absolutely. Especially in that last moment when she walks in to do peace, I, I felt a sense of identity with that that Mm. moment of instead of like psyching yourself out for something of just like well i'm going to do the thing and i'm not going to stop myself until the thing oh my god yes Mm -hmm. we've all had that moment where we're in the situation that we don't want to be in the only person who can resolve it is us ourselves Mm -hmm. and you just have to stand up and do it and rise to the occasion rise to the occasion and can we talk about that Beautiful scene at the end of the episode. Choochie's standing in the snow. The only one beside her is C-3PO. She's holding Cho's helmet and she's holding this spear. And the camera just holds on her for a second. Mm -hmm. And she's this tiny figure standing up to this like eight foot tall alien. And that moment was so brave and so beautiful to me. And I just saw... Like every time that I felt that I couldn't do something and I made myself do it and was stronger because of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was inspiring to see. Readers, I cried. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't cry hard, but oh, God, I got real misty. Now, to contrast with Cho, he has an interesting quality of he is the entire episode assuming command of things. He's acting as if the Jedi were under his command. He's acting as if Rex is under his command. Mm-hmm. And Rex, for all his professionalism, is like, so uh, Skywalker, what's what are we actually up to here? What's it's the real It's really awkward, yeah. It is. And it goes to show how Cho assumed power, because I assume with a title like Chairman, it's probably not an inherited position. And then he calls himself something like the Supreme Leader of Pantora. Yeah, which... Maybe. Question mark? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if he's the chairman of all Pantorans or the Pantoran system. Or, the or maybe he's just Pantoran. blowing smoke up everyone's butts. But either way, he does order Chuchi around, and it seems like something he is able to do within their legal framework. Mm-hmm. And by his declaration of it as an internal affair, that seems like something he's able to do as well. Sure. So he has significant power, and he is used to wielding that power without question. Mm-hmm. And 
he seems like the kind of leader who has never been told no mm. because he doesn't recognize that he's being told no. He doesn't recognize when Rex is like, chill the entire heck out, my dude, because like we're here to protect you. We're not here to kill for you. And then, unfortunately, when the ambush occurs and Cho's injured, uh, a bunch of clones are killed and Rex goes into full fight or flight mode. And for him, that's fight and then flight. Oh, my gosh. This episode was so extremely morally gray when it comes to the battle scenes. Yes, because Rex absolutely could have gotten out of there faster or he could have left the chairman to die, although that was explicitly against his orders. Yes. And said protect the chairman at all costs. At all costs, which it cost 11 clones that we know of. Which is probably more than in is willing to pay for this, the chairman, all things considered. That battle scene was so tough to watch. Did you find it to be tough to watch? I did because of the moral ambiguity. Moral ambiguity, there's a lot of death on all sides. I mm-hmm. just hated that moment when Rex pulls out his blaster and shoots one of the the monsters, the yeah. creatures that yeah. one of the talls is riding mm-hmm. because it whimpers. Yeah. And so put that in the perspective of this, the whole clone wars as an entity, as a war is generally more morally black and white due to the fact that it is a bunch of people killing a bunch of robots. Sure. And yeah, I mean the robots aren't malicious, they're they're doofy, but they're robots. And it's somehow that is enough of an othering to make yeah. them not meaningful. No tears are shed from me for mm-hmm. droid death. And it's the same thing with the Jedi. You know, a Jedi seems to actually take a significant difficulty in taking a living being's life, but they will cut through a swath of battle droids like nothing. Sure. Same thing with the clones. Because the clones do have empathy. They do explicitly question orders of like, oh, yeah. dude, I'm not going to shoot civilians. Absolutely. We know that they're capable of every spectrum on the human, mm-hmm. every human emotion that we know. Yeah. And so we're left with this difficulty for them of knowing that they're going into some place and they're committing an act of aggression and they're going into some place and they're being ordered to and they're getting conflicting orders. I mean, it's a tough situation for Rex. Yeah. And, you know, he did good. There's also a very cool moment. Oh, yeah. Tell me, tell me, tell me. So in the original 2003 2D animated clone series, there's no Rex. There's Commander Cody. There's uh, so it's it's a completely different canon. Hmm. And there's a whole bunch of Arc Trooper clones who are clones wearing the cool armor and the commas, which are the combat skirts and stuff. And they there's an entire episode, like an entire five minute episode of these clones running around blowing stuff up, and they're using exclusively hand gestures. Whoa! It looks very cool. And there's a callback to that in this fight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rex okay. is just like. He shakes his hands and he moves and he does like very quick, very sharp mm-hmm. defined. I was going to say, I absolutely love the dynamics of the clone movement in this yes. episode. It was so compelling. They're doing the hand gestures. That moment in the first part of the battle when Rex gets knocked off of his speeder, mm-hmm. he kicks it over with one leg and like shelters behind it. Yes. Very, very fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was interesting. And then the way that the circle back, the way that Chairman Cho died, he died poorly. Yeah. He died he died doing something which was by his estimation correct, but he did not fulfill 
his goal. His goal was never going to be fulfilled. And he had gotten himself into a fight, which was already lost. I mean, that's kind of, uh, it's it's Mike Tyson by way of Sun Tzu or backwards. <laughs> Sun Tzu sorry, by way of Mike Tyson. What? Never get into a fight you haven't already won. Oh. And Senator Cho got into a fight he had already lost because from the get-go, from like the first investigation of the clone base, which had been destroyed, Obi-Wan and Anakin are like, yeah, this is not droids. At that moment, he lost this fight. Okay, two things about that. Mm -hmm. One, yes. I got, (laughs) yes. (laughs) One, yes. (laughs) I got kind of secondhand embarrassment at the way that he died because I'm positive that in Chairman Cho's mind, he was dying a martyr Mm -hmm. for this cause that he felt so strongly about that his very planet told him was incorrect. Yes. So it's embarrassing to me. Because he got fired, basically. He did get fired. What did they say? They held him. He's out of order. Out of order, yeah. Yeah. And they basically put Chuchi above him. Now, the other thing, and this is something I loved about Chuchi and I loved about the whole change in power dynamics, is like he dies in her arms and she gets up and resolves the situation and she is not mourning. No. Because. Because why would she? Why would she? And like it, it speaks to. To something rather incredible that she is able to immediately recognize the situation for what it is. Mm. The age difference between them, as well as the rigidity of Chairman Cho's mental stance mm-hmm. of he cannot be wrong versus Senator Chuchi, who's like, I'm going to listen to whatever results of the situation. But when it comes time to make decisions, they're going to fall upon my shoulders, despite me trying to shoulder out from underneath them. Ugh. Yes, and my baby. She absolutely rises to the occasion, and the chairman utterly fails to adapt, and he dies. In so many ways, I think the Clone War is teaching us to be flexible. Are you feeling that yet? Especially in this episode. Yeah. And especially in the last arc. I think they tie together so beautifully. Yeah, yeah. They do. Obi-Wan's teachings to Anakin are to be flexible. What mm-hmm. we're learning from everyone who is so rigid in their ways is that circumstances change. And if you don't adapt to them, you will be left behind. Yeah. And this is almost a counter to the pacifism of the Lerman mm-hmm. of recognizing that there is strength in peace as opposed to pacifism. There's strength in standing up for peace as an action rather mm-hmm. than hoping that peace just comes your way because you refuse to engage mm-hmm. with the antagonistic forces around you. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing? Yes, of course. Um, one really nifty thing that I love about Chairman Cho is that maybe he's acting totally by himself. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's representing a little splinter group of extremist Pantorans. Maybe. And it kind of reminds me of a call forward to Mando. Little splinter groups that just get so stuck in their ways. That... Oh, like the Imperial Remnants? No, the Children of the Watch. Oh, yeah. Um, that is something which is going to come up, come up again. And it's unfortunately a swan song of our civilization, which is, of course, the one that the Star Wars universe is based on, is that it is in many ways easier to be an extremist than to act with the dignity befitting your station by taking in extra information, particularly in something which is a representative democracy or a democracy. So I think what I hear you saying is that it's easier to be rigid than to be flexible. Yeah, 
Yeah. Although you'll die. Well, everyone <laughs> dies. Unless you're Palpatine. <laughs> Yeah. Although I mean, I'm I'm holding my tongue here, but uh, oh. Senator Cho he dies without dignity, and he dies losing everything that he worked for, and it all happens in the last second of his life, and that is not any way to die. Sam is hashtag unimpressed with Chairman Cho, and I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean, he sucks. He just really sucks. He's a, just a buttered noodle. Yeah, but. The political ramifications of his rigidity, whether or not he's of a splinter cell, he's possibly a duly elected representative. And if not, he's a representative in the sense of he is the external facing member or internal facing leader of his people. Hmm. And to that end, when he dies poorly, his people, it reflects poorly on his people. Then again, Chuchi reflects very well on them. Yes. And so in a way, this gives me big hopes and dreams because it shows someone who is young and embodying feminine energy as well as traditionally feminine thought flexibility Mm. and resilience Mm. as well as um, it's not cold hearted so much as pragmatic it's just, I think it's what you said, it's rising to the occasion. Yes, but I'm specifically referring to when she didn't mourn the chairman and mm, she's just mm-hmm. like, change of plans, this mm-hmm. is what we're doing. Um, there's a pragmatism of just taking what you have and moving forward with it. Backbone. Mm-hmm. By casting Chuchi so young and casting the chairman so old, it's casting a light of the youth shall inherit the earth if they have the Mm. flexibility to change and to recognize changing circumstances and to recognize that there are battles which cannot be won. Oh, that's beautiful. So I want to get to the heart of why I love this episode. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot about the media that shaped me when I was younger. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what started me on this is that Pokemon is on Netflix. And I watched a lot of Pokemon as a kid when I could. I didn't catch it always after school, but it was usually on around the time that school was over. So I watched a lot of Pokemon. I played a lot of Pokemon Game Boy games. And I watched the first episode recently as an adult, and I realized why I am the way that I am and why to this day I just want to take off on a bike with some animal friends and like have adventures and sleep under the stars. I don't know why you're giving me that. I'm just wondering how it ties in with the episode. (laughs) Oh, it absolutely ties in. It's flawless. Flawless. Let me me get there. What I love about this episode is that Chuchi is cast as this hyper feminine young person Mm -hmm. a girl yeah and she is so strong yes so she's got this soft voice she's got these big eyes like full lips she's really small physically Mm -hmm. everything in her character design is just coded to be very very young yes and these are things that we would see normally as vulnerability or as weakness Mm -hmm. But she is so strong in every sense of the word. She stands up to her superior many times over the course of the episode, even when she doesn't have to. Yes. She realizes when it truly is up to her to resolve the situation and she resolves it. She 
holds a spear like she could be a warrior and then chooses to use it as an instrument of peace. Mm -hmm. And I just think if I had had this representation when I was growing up, how much that would have meant to me. Yeah. Because I wanted to be a diplomat. That was my dream job when I was growing up. I wanted to do what Chuchi does. Yeah, the world needs more diplomats. The so. world definitely does need more diplomats who be are like skilled Chuchi. and strong and gentle. Be like Chuchi. Yeah. But when you're studying to be a diplomat, all of that softness is kind of beaten out of you. It's a really masculine world. Oh, I hear that. As a tangent with uh, my, my schooling is in engineering. My degree is in geophysics. And... All of the creativity mm -hmm. and problem solving is beaten out of you mm -hmm. as you're turned from whatever shape you are when you show up into a, you know, a, a ruler. A square peg and, that fits in a square yeah, hole. Yeah, an architect's T-square because you need to become a tool which can be used to build civilization. Yeah. But you lose a lot of your humanity in that case. Just a lot of your wholeness as an individual, yeah. as an intellectual, just as a person. Maybe there's something to be said for having, you know, 15, 16 year old senators. Oh my gosh, absolutely. <laughs> Although, as a small spoiler, we do see Chuchi later. Oh my God, this she, is the best thing I've heard all day. She is uh, friends with Padme. Oh my God. Okay, Sam. And the, so she might be like 25. But. The note that I wrote for this episode was I would do anything. I would sacrifice my firstborn child to have Padme take Chuchi under her wing and for them to be cool diplomats together. All right. Well. Oh my God. Well, uh, we'll put that baby up for adoption. Perfect. I don't care. <laughs> just right now. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Give me that. Yeah. <laughs> so I just think Chuchi is such a beautiful and inspirational figure. And I just want young people everywhere to see her and be like her. Yes, 100%. And if you are someone who's longer in the tooth and want to be like this young, bright-eyed, blue-skinned girl... The key thing she does is she is willing to let go. Mm. And I have found in my personal life, the more I let go, the more free I am. It would not hurt to also wear a purple poncho and knee boots. So if that is your thing, do it. Yeah. I mean, I look good in purple, so. <laughs> you too can have Choo Choo's fashion sense. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam... Yes. I want to know who your bay is. So I have someone who I've been holding a little bit back on this episode. Oh. Because we've been talking a lot about Chuchi, and uh -huh. Chuchi's great. But the way Obi-Wan steps up to the plate is really cool. Yes, it is. He has a few moments where like you know the uh chairman cho is like go attack them for me he's like dude we don't work for you and then when uh chuchi is trying to figure out what to do he's like hey i have a quick little rules tip for you that will get you out of this situation because i can tell that like this is a fraught this is a high intensity situation check out this cool life hack from my book tips from Obi-Wan to the Galactic Senators. <laughs> and then at the end, he does not act in the... I mean, he's a, an able diplomat. Mm -hmm. He was recently professionally called to be a diplomat 
by the Galactic Senate and the Chancellor and the Council to go negotiate for Dooku, right? Yeah. And, and also in the Clone Wars movie. Yes. On Christophsis. Mm-hmm. He is an able diplomat, but he says... It would be better if you did it. It would be, and he he brooks no argument in that regard. So Obi Wan plays a relatively small part in this episode, and Chuchi is by far the most important person in this episode. But I really dig the way that Anakin and Obi Wan work together, and Obi Wan enabled Chuchi to succeed. Not even enabled, but empowered her. Yes, empowered Chuchi to succeed. Yeah. Okay, I also picked Obi-Wan. What? Well, who's going to pick Chuchi? <laughs> no one's picking Chuchi. Obi-Wan is my bae. We can't we can't skip Chuchi. We're not skipping Chuchi. We're just saying would I believe in my heart of hearts as the biggest Chuchi fan ever? Mm-hmm. Is that Chuchi's success probably would not have happened without Obi-Wan. Are you saying that like behind every manic pixie senator girl is a strong bearded jedi i don't think they would mind if that was true so okay chuchi's this fledgling diplomat Mm -hmm. and she's got all the knowledge but none of the authority inside of herself to act on it Mm -hmm. she's got a crazy case of imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. hashtag relatable Obi-Wan pushes her to level up. I think he recognizes that if he coddles her now, she might never grow into her full power. Mm -hmm. But because he pushes her exactly enough to stand up to Chairman Cho, to seek authority, to put herself above him, when he refuses to step in for her when it's time to finally negotiate peace, we see her grow in the space of a moment Mm -hmm. into someone who can be a real force for peace for the rest of her life. So I think Obi-Wan is responsible for helping her to rise into her full power. And I think that is incredibly cool. Well, then I'm taking back my Bay recommendation. And I'm going for Chuchi because of the instant, the one instant when Senator Cho dies in her arms mm. and she lets it all go. She takes his hat. Mm-hmm. Does she take it as a memento? Does she take it as a trophy? Stripping it from him because he didn't deserve to wear it. Yes. Maybe. Or as a representation of him that his way of going through is not the way moving forward. Oh my gosh, because she leaves it behind on the spear. Yes. Wow. Which is, circling all the way back, remember when we are first investigating the clones and the dead separatist droids, a bunch of helmets and heads on spears. Whoa, you're right. And we see that she is killing (gasps) metaphorically Chairman Cho and his ideas and how they worked. Oh my God, that's incredibly cool. So I'm taking Chuchi. I will say Chuchi would be Bayworthy simply for the moment when all of the Talls and all of their mounts bow to her when she proclaims them to be free and equal and sovereign. Mm -hmm. That gave me goosebumps all over. Yeah. So. Chuchi is so deserving. She's so great. I'm so glad she's going to be commemorated forever. Yes. This is perfect. Yay. All right. 
Took a little bit of negotiation, but that's what this episode is all you about. You know what, Sam? Flexibility. Exactly. We got exactly where we wanted to be. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe we should be diplomats. You know, I think that the world could use everyone thinking about each other in a more diplomatic way. Not to be like, I have to hold my tongue, but to think thoroughly about what your actions will entail and what you get out of them. Mm. It is so, so easy to react, Mm. particularly in the style of Chairman Cho, to be like, I am the will of the people. The people are the will of me. I need to take. I need to own. I need to never be wrong. The strength is in brooking no... Yes. No no compromises. I am correct. And by learning when to take a step back, learning when to stop, learning when to ask for help, and learning when you have to step forward yourself. Just by, I mean, and that's what Chu Chu was doing. She was really just listening. All she did was listen. And she was willing to live with the weight of mm-hmm. being a listener. Mm-hmm. Which takes a lot of humility and a lot of strength. Yes, to not speak your mind when you want to, to hold back, to be strategic. It's a hard thing to do to be a listener. And to be someone who actually got the results that were meaningful yeah. out of that situation by talking with people who she couldn't talk to without a droid interpreter, by not understanding their culture, but being willing. Be like Chuchi. Yeah. Yay! And be like Obi-Wan. And be like Obi-Wan. I love him so much. All right, Sam, that's the end of the episode. Yeah. I loved this one. This is a comfort rewatch for me. Yeah, the um, the style is very cool. Yeah. Yeah, the looks are cool. Rex wears a sexy Rexy. Rex is outfit, so outfit, sexy Rexy. Outfit. And Obi-Wan and Anakin are maybe the only people that I've ever seen make balaclavas look good. <laughs> big, big Jedi parkas. <laughs> they look so great. They look like fashion models. They also look cold. They're like, this is cold. <laughs> Yes, but incredible fashion moments this entire episode. Okay. I hope we get such good fashion moments in the next episodes, which are... Season 1, episode 16, and season 1, episode 17, which is... The Blue Shadow arc. And uh, I don't think we get that good of fashion. But we do get a plague in the middle of plague season, so... (laughs) You know, yeah, that was something we remarked on when we first watched this episode. So many plagues in the Clone Wars. Yeah. 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 So this has been a lot of fun. I really like this episode. And I think that if we were to put together sort of a best of list, I know that Disney Plus does that. They're like, ah, oh, this these are the critical yeah. episodes. Yeah. Um, I would put this one up there, even though it doesn't move along the plot of the Clone Wars. But it's a good watch as a morality tale, as well as, you know, it's a good Star Wars tale. Oh, yeah. Just the inspiration. Mm-hmm is worth it for me. So I would totally recommend this episode, especially since it's a standalone episode. I would say to my mom, if you're going to watch one episode of The Clone Wars, just throw on Trespass and see what you think. Yeah. 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 
Oh, so many points. I love it. Oh, it's so great. So we've got a handful of things we want to get out of the way. One of them is thank you to all of our Patreons. And if you want to get in touch with us, uh, check us out on growingupskywalker at gmail.com. We've also got a season one retrospective coming up. Please, please, please send us any questions or comments. Or if you're like me and when you realize that no one called Chuchi the Bay, that you got to change, change your minds about who's Bay. Yeah. Like, It happens. It happens. Send us an email. There's also a cool button on our website. You can send us a listener holocron so you can record your voice on your phone and send it to us. Just tell us your thoughts. We really want to hear them. Yeah. So as always, follow us on social media. You can also check us out on growingupskywalker.com. And if you like the show, please make sure to leave us a review or leave us a rating or... Send it to the young person in your life that could really shine if you showed them how. Or the person who gives you a nudge when it is your time to shine. Oh my gosh, yes. And make sure to tell that person to give us a five-star review. Yeah, do that too. (laughs) (laughs) See you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye.